Welcome to Candela. I'm here with my co-host Alan Scheller. How are you doing today, Alan, my friend? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Chris? I'm all right. I'm hanging in there, yeah. Good, good. So today on the show, I thought uh, we could talk a little bit about how the medium that we like consume photography and cinematography has kind of changed, you know. We, it's so, so easy to forget that photography and cinematography are such new things that they really didn't exist that much that long ago, certainly street photography. And uh, I think, I guess the biggest change we're seeing sort of in our lifetime and just recently is is the the format and how everything is is seen you know it's not obviously there are still huge technical improvements as well but we've gone from you know for years and years photos it was entirely galleries and printed pages and you know movies had huge advances in in the cameras but actually in terms of how you consumed them it was just purely you know going to cinemas or then watching on dvd well well in london uh there weren't that many galleries at all until you know like even in uh into like the 50s and 60s i think it was quite a rare thing to see a, a gallery for photography at all especially since like photography wasn't held on such a high like plane then was it it was kind of no photography's had to uh seems inferior had, has had to uh battle against yes the painted medium particularly as uh being collectible and being valid as a as an art form or whatever you want to call it yeah uh but it's certainly there now yeah for sure I think we should leave to one side in this discussion, like the fact that about whether it's good or bad for like your success and for the discipline, because I mean, it's, it goes without saying that like the advent of like social media has been incredibly helpful, whether you're a photographer or a filmmaker. Um, so I just want to talk more about like how, how the experience is different. Um, so if we start on the, on the photography side, obviously the, f- the format is usually different. You've got prints uh, versus kind of what 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 is what is different when you're viewing an image on a mobile phone do you think and what challenges does like that present you well the platform that most of us use um to consume photography these days is instagram i've never heard of and that. yeah never heard of it no, <laughs> no it's, it's quite neat you, you should try it i'll check it out after yeah um <laughs> it is fantastic in many ways for so many things but it is limiting in other ways of course so in terms of social reach and you know being able to show your work to people in uh, in countries and places territories that would never have heard of you without it uh, it's extremely great and it can link through to websites and things where you can see uh, you can dive deeper into a photographer or whoever you want uh, that's great but the image itself is actually of course restricted in mm. size to uh, something I don't know, it's like a playing card if you've got a big a big phone. Yeah, what is it on Instagram? It's like 800 and something pixels, right, I think, wide. It's, re- it's really not that very big. Um, now, this has led to a number of things happening. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's, it's better to see a, a print uh, or a photograph uh, as an A4 minimum. Mm. But the thing that's more worrying about the Instagram format is that it actually, I think influences a lot of people, how they shoot and especially what they publish. Mm. Because if you've got something too complex, uh, it's not going to stand up well on Instagram. And in terms of getting engaged, like engagement, uh, which people are chasing and, um, ended up actually influencing, a like the style in which people shoot, which is quite extraordinary. I guess that's not like a bad thing. It's just different, isn't it? Um, I mean, it's a little bit of a bad thing, I guess, but no. It's I'd- an interesting, it's an interesting thing. And I mean, 
before I was on Instagram or anything, I was actually making pretty minimalist, simple images anyway. Mm. Uh, and I've always liked black and white. And I think black and white kind of helps on on Instagram somehow. It's just one less thing to be busy, yeah. Mm. But it has it's certainly made people more, uh, even less willing to kind of take, take the time to look through an image and to understand what it is. It's just like, you either like it or you don't instantly. And mm. as in not, you don't double tap like yeah. it, as in in your in your head you, you register whether you like it or not, and then you move on to the next one, and well, that's yeah. it. Yeah, it makes me think of like we've got Joel Merowitz coming up on the the show, and he was you know we were talking about how his images have a lot going on, you know, of multiple subjects all doing different things, and mm. it's that's a that's a kind of a harder I guess a thing to get across now when you have got not only the fact that the size so your eyes aren't able to see as clearly all different elements, but also people's attention spans that you've got. I, I would love to know what it is, but I would say you've probably got maybe like 0.2 seconds in which to engage a person with an image. And it's hard mm. if it's uh, if it's not immediately clear. I reckon advertising people would say even less. Yeah. It, it, it's such, it's like almost a subliminal thing that, you know, you either like something or you don't in your mind. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is that, you know, then when people come to follow you and, and engage with your work somewhat, uh, they, they want, they expect the same thing as well. They don't want you to change or to break their, you know, it's kind of like I follow you for this and I follow mm. this person for this. And I follow this person for this. And if you mix it up too much, it can be, I guess that's the same with things, you know, bands. Like if a band, like if ACDC uh, put out their second album as a country album, acoustic country album i think they'd lose a lot of their followers yeah uh, their, their listeners you're right though i think there is that is particularly true of like of this moment and yeah i think i think it's an overarching problem that it, it happens in tv and film as well in a different way where with things like netflix and you know this whole kind of culture of you like that so you will like this um yeah. and watching on demand obviously when you've got programmed television i'm not a big like proponent of it i when scheduled tv dies i won't particularly i won't be crying but um at least it did make you there was more serendipity of you know you'd end up watching something you're like why the fuck am i watching like i don't know lawn bowling at like 2 a.m but you know so you get those those moments whereas the whole netflix model is more just like you just go down a rabbit hole of things you like and it leads to more things you like and i guess it's a little bit similar in that sense well do you know what i think has replaced that kind of randomness television thing is is youtube yeah although isn't isn't that just all like uh, recommended videos is based on what you've watched though, right? It is, but it's much more... Loose. Loose. Yeah. Their net is much wider. Yeah, so, you know, it's almost like if you like, if you watch a video of Top Gun, yeah, you know, with fighter jets, you might also want to watch a video about engines. And then you watch a video on engines and then it might make you want to watch a video on... Formula One. And like, I think that's how it jumps. It yeah. kind of, it pushes you around in different ways. I guess the pessimistic take on that is that it never is like, maybe you'd like this documentary on Sartre. It's usually like, you might like to watch a tortoise eat a slice of kiwi mm. in slow motion. So it's it's not always the most edifying stuff that... Uh... Well, who wouldn't? <laughs> that's the thing. If you do that, if you type in tortoise eating, you know, kiwi slow motion, you'll be flooded with... Uh, you're fucked. You're just, yeah, animals and fruit for the end of, till the end of time. Uh, for, yeah, for at least a week. Mm. <laughs> but so, so, so circling back to the uh, Instagram thing and what that's done to, to audiences viewing photography. Um, the, the, the other thing about phones is, is that they're backlit. And so the experience of looking at a photograph is different now because, you know, 
a print is uh, you're usually looking at it in a room where the light is going into the print and you're looking at it and there's nothing being emitted from you know from it um, and that does affect things quite a lot like yeah. contrast levels and that's why I think people who start photography these days in the, in like I did in, in the digital age um, it takes time to learn how to print your your files because you're preparing them for for screens essentially at first a lot of the time and then a piece of paper is a very different thing to a led backlit yeah. screen it's also the fact that you know, that whole backlighting thing in itself is variable depending on you know the it comes and goes now especially as apple getting so into into that you know i, I can definitely think of times whether it's on instagram or a, for a, a story or whatever i've been working with an image and then i've been like oh, I'm, I'm, I'm cranking up the brightness and contrast too much on this this is too much and then hmm. you fire up your phone when you're in bed and the darkness is like the brightness is right right down the bottom and you're like i can't see the fucking thing so it's it's difficult well this is uh this is why i had to it's like the least sexy thing you can invest in 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 photography and film but i i use this thing called an ESO screen Ooh, i think baby. i think i think uh you were using them when you were doing your your edits of um uh, false indigo mm. in the uh in that editing suite that we were in uh but they're they're essentially like custom well they're purpose-built editing screens and they're super 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 flat and very very accurate to actually what paper ends up looking like so for photography they're very useful because they don't add contrast and they don't add a kind of punch or a sharpness to it like uh like a macbook screen would yeah uh because the apple mac you know like the imac screen is essentially designed you know as much as their marketing is says they're you know their screens are designed so that when you load them up for the first time you see that like frog on the leaf as the wallpaper you Mm. go wow (laughs) You know, and they're amazing for looking at films and like rich colors and all that. But if you're trying to critically analyze a piece of raw footage or of, a, of an ARRI camera or a, a raw black and white file or, you know, or something, mm-hmm. um, it, it really helps to have a screen that you know is neutral. And then weirdly, it's called translate so that they translate onto screens and phones. If you edit on an ESO and you get the contrast right and everything right and the brightness right on there and you're used to that screen in the room that it's also in, um, then it just seems to work on on any device. And that's why they use them in um, photo editing houses and printers and magazines. They all seem to use these these same screens. I see them everywhere. Yeah, that's fascinating that it can it can somehow <laughs> make it the, the the right compromise that it works on other screens, like shittier quality screens and stuff. Well, it's exactly the same as, um, you know, like uh, studio monitors. Yeah. Like they're super flat. And so if it sounds good on them, generally if things sound great on a good pair of studio monitors, uh, if they sound balanced, then, you know, it will generally work well, I don't know why, how it works, but I've got, you know, from my music days, I've got some speakers that are like absolutely awesome. Mm. And I was listening to them and I was like, they sound really flat compared to my old ones that I was using. And the guy who was selling them from this audio store was like, trust me, just just try them for a while and it will save you loads and loads and loads of time of going back to your, 
you know, like checking on your car and then going back and re- and assessing the audio, then remixing it and then checking on your phone. He said, if it sounds good on these, and if you dial your ears into these speakers and you, you get mixes sounding good on these, it just works on anything. I can confirm having sat in your apartment that those speakers will roast your face. They're very good. <laughs> They're very, very, very good. But if you play something that is very badly mixed on them, it sounds very, very, very bad. <laughs> <laughs> rather than you can get some like you, like the speakers in a um a sound bar for example that people buy for 300 dollars or pounds or whatever that stick under their tv just sound they make anything sound half decent yeah uh they make the best mixes in the world sound half decent they make the worst mixes in the world sound half decent they just kind of normalize everything to this like frequency of crap that most people don't care about, but it's the, it's the same kind of thing with MacBooks. <laughs> yeah. So when you're editing your images, do you mm. do different versions then for, for online and for um, when you, you know, you're doing exhibitions? Definitely. So talk about that backlit thing, um, a screen, well, the image that you're looking at on a screen is about a stop and a half too dark for printing. Right. So if so, because of the backlight effect. So if you print an image directly as you see it on your screen, you're happy with out of a printer generally without calibrating the printer or telling the printer to do anything, uh, it will put it out and you'll look at it and go, that's too dark. Mm. Um, and that took a long time. And it's not only that, it's like the freaking contrast, everything just goes wrong. Like for black and white, it's a real nightmare. Uh, when you're when I was editing a lot on a, on a MacBook and I didn't really understand, um, I, I couldn't because the screen was so high contrast. The prints were it was like I was I wasn't putting in enough for what I wanted. So my so my prints were looking washed out. Mm. But but on the I was looking at them on the screen, thinking that looks perfect, and then looking at them on the paper and being like, I can see detail in the blacks that I didn't want to see and all this kind of stuff. So it it yeah they they are different and it takes time. But I guess it's the same issue is um, is presented for uh, for cinematographers and and directors, right? Like people consuming films on iPads and phones versus cinemas more of more, you know, like they used to. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the, the biggest problems is uh, is aspect ratio. I find um, obviously our phones increasingly more and more so with every iteration of iPhone, it seems, you know, favor nice long portraits because you can just see more of the image. And obviously photography is adapted to that quite a lot. And I imagine over the last 10 or 20 years, the amount of people who decide to crop in or take photos that are portrait has gone up hugely, Mm. but that's obviously not an option in film or it would be a very strange film if you did. Um, Didn't you change aspect ratio in a film that you made? Yes. In Force Indigo. You changed, I remember you changed, I was like, what's he doing? As, what, what's he doing? What, as in mid-film or for different yeah, versions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There so, was a scene where it changed, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, we, we have a scene where um, it's the most, so most of it's in one eight five to 1, and then as the camera pulls back, every the black bars come in and it goes down to cinema scope, which is 2.39 to 1, um, which is a nice effect. You, you do see that done quite a lot, but actually... Um, the film as a whole, we had to play around with the aspect ratio because of the device. Like, uh, 
with Full Syndigo with the with the Channel Four version. Uh, the one of the first meetings I had with the commissioner, they were like, uh, "You're not going to do it in some crazy like CinemaScope super wide thing, are you?" And I was like, "Well, I actually, genuinely was not going to anyway, apart from the last tiny bit." So I was like, "No, it's fine." But like, they were literally like really seriously have a preference for it being more boxy, just so people could see it better on phone, which is crazy that like you know entire <laughs> projects are being governed by things like that. Mm. Um, so that's a, that's a huge thing. I also find that I find that just when on like Candela when, when we're on Instagram and we're posting stuff like I'm looking at an amazing image on my computer, like amazing still, you know, really, really super wide. And then you see it on a phone and it's just this little slither of like of viewing space. And it's just like it doesn't look anywhere near as like incredible and epic as it was looking when you <laughs> look yeah. at view, which is really annoying. And I, I think that's actually quite difficult for um for cinematographers to sort of adapt to that and and get their their work literally seen, um, mm. so that's that's a big issue. I guess aside from that, I don't think the um the whole kind of backlighting versus projection on a cinema screen is for some reason as much of an issue with film and TV. But I think it's more it's more about the the viewing experience that's the big thing in in moving images is obviously the move from it's so different watching with a group of people in the cinema to watching alone in under a duvet on your ipad or on your phone or whatever mm. um and, and it's not, yeah I, for sure yeah and i'm not even like hugely upset i i never really liked uh watching it with loads of people that was never the thing for me i actually found it kind of a nuisance i don't know you know like people wrestling popcorn and it's yeah, there's always one guy who's like, oh my God, I'm so bored. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like trying to get with someone. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, for sure. And like, obviously, I'm like, I, I, love a, I love a fancy cinema and I, I like people to support independent cinemas because I think it is a nicer experience than like being at view, just like pouring popcorn down your face and like <laughs> sticking to the floor. But um, <laughs> but yeah, for me, it was never about the shared experience. Although definitely for comedies, obviously it's a... Uh, it's, it's difficult. The amount of people just like sitting at home watching a comedy, like, ha, this is so funny. And they actually haven't laughed. It's fucking difficult to make someone laugh if they're sat alone. Like laughing is such a performative thing. Mm. Um, so that's difficult. And obviously with horrors as well, I think people like that feeling of being with other people. But in for, for dramatic work, I kind of prefer to be on my own. So I don't yeah. see that as a huge problem. I imagine my face looks exactly the same if I'm watching a horror film on my own or if I'm watching a comedy on my own. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Like, just stoic and like, uh. Just stoic. While texting <laughs> my, someone. My, ah, my, so yeah, my <laughs> replying to comments on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. that, that's the thing though. The now, fucking there replying you go. To, oh, now, now that, that's another subject. That kills me. That's another subject is, is people like eating dinner, but also on their phone or watching a film but also on their phone. I'm guilty of this. I, I do this all the time. It makes me so angry when I'm sat with people, whoever it is, and like, even for <laughs> some reason, even if it's not a great film, I'm like, oh my God, I wish they'd put their phone away. This is so infuriating. Just because just it like, it, I've seen it create a negative impression for, for a film so much as well, where like, I know that if the person gave their full attention to this, they'd probably be at least kind of into it. But the fact that they spent the foot like about eight minutes of the first 15 minutes looking at their phone means they're like, oh, that's just some old shit that's on the TV. I don't care about that. And they've already like kind of tuned it out and not believe the performances in the story because they've been like too busy. That is like a, a real problem, I think. And, and and I'm not immune to that at all. Like I am, I get distracted as anyone. Um, so I think I do. I have the worst attention span uh, of almost anyone I know. Yeah. Well, I'm, we're, all, I'm we're all fucked. Our attention spans are all getting worse and worse in, in this moment. 
Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I've been like that since school, since I was really young. Just couldn't, if if I don't find something really, really, really interesting, I cannot focus on it. Yeah. And if I find something super interesting, like if I'm really interested by something, I will focus on it like unbelievable, super, super intense. But other than that, I'm an absolute waste of space in terms of <laughs> I just can't do it. So like, I mean, yeah, I, I, I get distracted as well. It's like, and when I say to people, or when I, you know, when I'm reviewing a film, and I'm like, see it in a cinema. It's not for sort of some wanky, like, you need to see it on the big screen or, you know, blown up and everything. It's more just like, you need to sit in the cinema for the, for the discipline of it. Cause like, there are some well, films that you need to just be like, and like a film is just going to start with or without you in a cinema. You've got to be there and that's it. And it's just that, that is very helpful sometimes. I feel like some films definitely, definitely translate better onto big screen than others. Mm. Um, like the, I, when I saw 1917 in LA, I saw it in, where was it? Cine, you know, the one. The oh, the one. Cinerama Dome. Yeah, the Cinerama mm. Dome. I saw it there and it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, it, it, it was, if I had watched that for the first time on a plane on the back of a chair, <laughs> yeah. I would have not, it wouldn't have been fair to um, Deacons and Mendez for what they did yeah, yeah. <laughs> on that film. Uh, but there are some films that I feel are totally just not about the cinematography and and maybe watching them on an iPad is totally fine compared to, you know, like some films I think the, the format is plays a big part. And, and, and photographers do this as well. Like uh, Sebastian Salgado, when he did his Genesis exhibition, the pictures are epic and like they're meant to be epic and they're very dramatic and powerful. And the prints were flipping huge mm. like you know something like six feet by four feet kind of thing all of them and when you saw that it was like oh you know like I, it, it's a huge statement and it's a huge uh difference in visual you know like seeing a portrait of someone where the head is bigger than your own head is quite a weird thing and then you can see extra detail you can see and that's the other thing about prints actually just as a little mm. tangent um with uh when a print is made it doesn't pixelate the more you go in you know the closer you get to a physical print the more you see yeah your eyes are looking at you know it's, it doesn't actually because like print zooming in on a picture on a screen it ultimately falls apart at some point whereas with a print you can never really get like that it's, yeah. it's a much more immersive experience i think to look at a at a print it is there's literally like more to see you can spend more time looking at it because there's mm. actually more things to like discover in it that you can't when it's when it's little mm. um but no i'm totally with you on in terms of like some things are better uh on the small screen like i i think i j- it's just really for like dramas the way you have to really invest in them you know like if terence malick brings out a film like i want to go and see that in cinema i feel like i need to but there are loads of things like i'm, I'm watching this this thing, the morning show at the moment, just because it's Apple's first TV show and it's a kind of a pile of trash, but I'm kind of interested in just, just cause I want to see what, what Apple thinks a good TV show is. And it does, it would benefit zero from being on a big screen. You know, it's not in or even intended to be like aesthetically interesting. It's just mm. people fast talking in corridors kind of stuff. And it, it belongs on the small screen. And I'm also like the biggest lover of like watching a movie on a plane. Like I, I, I'm, I want to write a whole piece on it. Like, I think it's just the most wonderful experience, even though the, they changed the aspect ratio to fit the monitor in front of you. The monitor is always like terrible quality. Even if you're in like a first class or whatever, it's still bad. And 
you're like interrupted by you've got hum in the background and you've got people passing by there's something's just so nice about getting under a blanket with pretzels a, pretzels yeah pretzels and lots of what? tiny miniature bottles of wine tom hanks was just giving the performance of his life and you're offering me pretzels <laughs> god damn it yeah so I, I think and i think that's why i think the future of like the cinema will be you you watch stuff at home that's just the done thing but then there are certain like event event films like 1917 where you will go to one to watch it that's the uh, event, event event cinema uh, yeah <laughs> but yeah and and for tv as well like uh although I, I always wanted to start a cinema that shows tv i think that would be wicked where you could just go and watch like twin peaks or game of thrones or something on a big screen i think people would love that mm. like you know, like an all-night screening like they do at the prince charles in london could call it the telemar that's fantastic work <laughs> thank you i'm just gonna note that it is the 28th of uh, when the magic happened uh, yeah it's the 28th of march 2020 alan shaller came up with the name telerama mark the day sorry carry on yeah uh yeah and you know being able to binge stuff on on a small screen is is a nice experience so yeah i, I guess i got love for the small screen as well but um mm. yeah we've done we are we risk of losing something if if cinemas if cinemas close for sure yeah i i do you think it would disappear mm, i i think the independent ones will always be around because someone will be funding that yeah just out of uh not on my watch what's actually a really interesting thing at the moment i've not really dived into it yet but there's um you might not have heard about this is a, a big new streaming service called quibi it's a terrible name like one of those 2020 names where they're just for seo reasons they have to like make it some nonsense word so you can find it easily and google quibby quibby no it's but no no it's it's like it's because every single brand name has been taken, been taken online true, yeah every single one has been taken yeah <laughs> I, I remember when i signed up for that new app house party mm. um I typed in my name, Alan Scheller, and it was like, it's been taken already. I was like, how has it been taken already? I and mean, we're one of the first people on it. I know. How has an Alan Scheller already beaten me to it? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I envy those guys who were like one of the first people on those platforms and they managed to get like at Tim or whatever. Like, well played, sir. Well played, Tim. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my name's actually James, but James was taken by then. But yeah, Qu- Quibi. Quibi, yeah. So they're, they're doubling down on the whole, the fact that our attention spans are fried and like commissioning shows, like series, where each installment is only like eight minutes long or five minutes long or whatever, which is kind of interesting. I don't so, know if they're going to be so successful. So sad, but... but also admirable that they've uh <laughs> yeah. i'm not sure to be upset or I know. or impressed they've like spent loads there's like, huge loads of like really big stars doing it it's, it's kind of interesting to see how it pans out but well this is why i maintain that for, photography is such a perfect medium for the online digital social media age mm. because it takes you know you can go on my instagram and look at nine pictures and in like 18 seconds and know exactly what i'm about and whether you like me or not Whereas 18 seconds doesn't get you very far in, in many other mediums. No, it's very true. Um, so yeah, photographers are, are pretty, pretty lucky. I think, uh, I've said this before that, that musicians would absolutely slay, you know, they would cut off their limbs to have a platform that's so effective mm. for their, for their medium. So, but it is at the same time killing, I, I think it's, you know, Instagram and, and as great as, it's like a double-edged sword, isn't it? it? 
it's causing a lot of issues as well. I just, I, I've always seen it as like, it's not the end game. It's it's a good way of getting people to things like exhibitions or to a website or to buy a book or a print or something like that. That is the the goal of it is to be a kind of channel or a support, you know, a kind of stream yeah. that leads to something else. But uh, it seems to be changing the viewer. It's true. I, I hope that it does. It does do that in a way. It serves like a little springboard to getting people in a, in a physical space. Like I'm, I'm as bad for it as anyone. I don't go to anywhere near enough galleries or theaters or whatever. But you know, like that experience of looking at standing beneath the Rothko and taking it in is just is something completely different from trying to look. Imagine trying to look at a Rothko on a on an iPhone screen, which would be the most dismal experience. Yeah. I guess looking at all we've we've discussed like today and thinking about like how should someone who's you know interested in making films or taking photographs how much should they be aware of all that stuff let it perturb them or not really at all um i guess for me with like on the film side of it you definitely need to be conscious of it i think if you are trying to do something more you know comedic or low-key i would i would i would think carefully about aspect ratio and, and trying to make it work on a phone um but i think at the same time if you've got a real bold artistic vision and you shouldn't let it fuck with you and you should just go for it and sometimes there's still a real value to just being different isn't there and there's been quite a Definitely. few films lately that have um actually kind of gone for like a four three aspect ratio which is close to square and it doesn't really make any there's no real rhyme or reason to that but um it, it stands out so as much as you can you can stress about uh, you know trying to optimize for the medium you've kind of also got to just go for it a little bit and i'm sure you, well, you feel similarly about photography Absolutely. Well, what you just said about, you know, just kind of fucking what the trend or the norm is and mm. just doing something different. It, you remember that that film, Bohemian Rhapsody, the mm. Queen one? I, I remember the bit where they recorded Bohemian Rhapsody, the song, which was a kind of six minute, six and a half minute, multi like genres yeah. within one song, kind of operatic, totally bonkers, non-commercial sounding track. And then Freddie insisted that it was their single. And the record label were like, no, what are you doing? No, this isn't a single, right? And, and you know, obviously so everyone knows what I'm getting at with this in that it became their yeah. biggest song, one of the biggest songs of all time. And just because it wasn't in with the current thing didn't mean that, you know, it then changed Well, it's probably one of the most influential tracks of all time, mm. probably as a, as a pop song. Yeah, the way the way it was like, oh, okay, we could just do whatever you want then, and it's like, yeah, yes, you can. Yeah, it's so true. And I, st- I, I still think that people, yeah, need to just produce whatever's best for whatever they're trying to tell the story or whatever that they're trying to tell. And um, if that's in a, with some wacky wide aspect ratio, then great. Yeah, and that's so. Uh, this is like a slightly different topic, but yeah, um, I, I also have I have such belief in people like in the general public's willingness to actually go for something weird and to go with it it's more the problem arises in those like bohemian rhapsody situations with those people in the room who hold the keys and like say yes or no to things at labels like i think when we did my previous podcast before this coffee and flowers you know it was uh entirely about this this band the national that uh me and my friend love and you know a lot of people would anyone if we did we did it independently if we'd have tried to commission that mm. anywhere so people would have said you're gonna do uh, like a eight hour podcast on one album. That's insane. Like no one's going to listen to that. That's stupid. But we had belief that people would like it and they did. So it, often it's, um, it's hard because <laughs> you, you kind of do have faith in, in people to enjoy something. But you've got to get through those people who are just 
this is how things are done and this is what we commission. Yeah. Well, those people are very important because of the position they're in mm. and they ultimately do hold the keys, but they don't know best. I mean, a lot of them are people who have like business graduates yeah. who have ended, or like people who have studied economics or business. And that's not to say that they're not creative or they're, but they don't understand things in the same way as someone who spent an equal or more amount of time playing like the piano or something and who's got a definite point of it and they kind of steamroller over people and it's the same with photography commissions as well and loads of things yeah um it's like oh you want to do it a bit different then oh, you know we've got to we've got to get that uh signed off and it's <laughs> like well you know Fuck the man, in summary. Well, 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 no, I mean, the amount of times I've been called in to do a colour thing, or, or so, and it's like, why, why, you know, why? I, I'm not, I'm not, I, you could have picked anyone else, but I, I'm, don't make this hard for me and yeah. for yourselves. And they're like, well, you could do colour, right? I mean, everyone could do colour, right? And it's like, no, not necessarily. You should let people do what they want, or don't book them at all. Yeah. So yeah, fuck the man. Yeah, friend, a friend of mine's been uh, doing some uh, some music creation for. Well, I won't say the name of a large tech brand, <coughs> Facebook, and uh, <laughs> I've never seen so much like account executive soup in terms of the feedback. Literally everyone sticking their oar in and like being like, maybe it should be more like this. Can it be more Wes Anderson? Actually, can it be more Lars von Trier? And just. It just being an absolute, like, just clusterfuck of different, like, ideas. Oh, and that's, that's a whole other well, thing. This but, is uh, why I stopped doing music. <laughs> in, this is why I stopped doing jingles was because of this exact reason. I'd be like, can you make it sound a bit more um, atmospheric? Yeah. And so, and so what does that mean? I don't know. Uh, just more um, atmospheric. Can we get some more uh, um, oboe in there, but then also some more drums and also make it kind of sound like heavy metal? It needs to sound more simple. Yet more complex. <laughs> you're like, okay, Darren, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'll get right on that. Uh, am I getting paid extra for this? Uh, no, you are not. <laughs> okay, uh, sure. Yeah, so, uh, but then they need to justify their jobs. They do. They do, bless them. Bless them. <laughs> Well, this has been uh, this has been fun, and um, thank you guys for for continuing to listen to the, the show. We love to hear from you, so do um, get in touch. And also, we're gonna we're gonna keep just throwing topics around between the two of us when we're not uh, with a guest. So if you have any ideas and there are things you'd like to hear us like kind of kind of please please do chip in. Probe. Yeah, please do. All right, uh, thanks for listening. Al, thanks for joining me today. As always, no, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Chris. Take care, buddy. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Candela. You can keep up with future episodes and news on the show on our Instagram at Candela Podcast. That's at C-A-N-D-E-L-A Podcast. We will also be posting photography and cinematography that we like on there. You can also find us on YouTube and Vero.